Mac and Fish podcast. I'm Coach McKinley Rowe. I'm here with my co-host, Charles Fishbar, better known as Fish. Fish, what's going on? What's up? Also here with our co-host, Corey Long. Corey, what's up? How you guys doing? Good, good, good. Hey, today we're uh, we're blessed to have uh, a great coach uh, on on the podcast. He, he's dipping into the to, to the Mac and Fish podcast. Uh, coach Damaris, Coach Demo, uh, Fish. Tell us a little bit about uh, Coach Demo's background and how how you know him. Well, Coach Damaris, uh, he played uh, football at Northeastern uh, College. I believe it's in Boston. Uh, he also was a graduate assistant at FSU in 1999 on their national championship team. Uh, ended up following Coach Chuck Amato to NC State in 2000. After that, uh, making a name for himself as one of the top assistants and top recruiters in the country, he ended up at Rutgers University and last coached college football at University of Hawaii, and Norm Chow was, his head, was the head coach there. Well, well we, you know, he could, he could, he needs to be at FSU tomorrow. You know, that's, that's my opinion, but, but, you know, we're going to get into it, but coach, thank you for joining us. Um, you know, we're, we're blessed to have you. I'm just going to hop right into it. Coach, how did you get into college coaching and what was your first college football job? Just talk well, about that. Well, I appreciate you guys having me on. Like I said, I'm very happy to be on with people that are informative and knowledgeable about the recruiting process and, and football in general, especially down in Florida, which I love very much, but, you know, I, I played football like Fish Shed, and then I went on to a little brief stint in the NFL. And then when I got done, I wanted to get involved in coaching. And I was a graduate assistant at Rutgers back in 1989. And then you take a few jobs here and there, and then you end up getting yourself in a position to be with attached to people that try to move on. So what I did is I ended up getting a job at Lehigh University up in Pennsylvania. And I remember sitting in a staff meeting and the coach says, we're going to recruit Florida. Does anybody want to go down to Florida? I looked around, nobody raised their hand. So I raised my hand. I said, I'll go to Florida. I heard a lot about it. So I went down there and my first stop was at Boca Raton high school with coach Mitten. And there was a receiver named Corey Ivory. And I was looking at Corey and I said, boy, I really like him. Coach said, I think he's going to West Virginia, but I want you to recruit this running back, Ronald Jean. So I said, okay. So I ended up recruiting Ronald Gene to Lehigh University. Back then, there was no Patriot League schools, no one AA schools. There was nobody in Florida. I was like a kid in a candy store. I was going all over the place. I couldn't believe there was spring football in the month of May. I said, I get to go watch these kids practice. I get to go evaluate them. I can't believe it. And then, lo and behold, I ran into somebody. Uh, uh, this guy was the fish before fish. His name was Henley. And he says to me, man, I see you all over the place. Every place I am, you are. He goes, what's your name? I said, Demo. He goes, where are you from? I said, Lehigh. He goes, Lehigh? He goes, nobody comes down here from Lehigh. I go, yeah, it's a first for us. We're going to try to make a, make a living out of this. And I said, I can't afford your report. He goes, don't worry about it. He had maps of the schools. He had kids all ranked. He had their home addresses, their phone numbers. And I was, I was like, holy smokes. And that's how I basically got started recruiting Florida back in the early 90s. Good stuff, good stuff. Coach, you were a grad assistant at Florida State in 1999, uh, the year they won the national title. Uh, you were a GA there. What was that experience like and helped you as far as moving up in the coaching ranks? Well, I was very blessed, Fish, because that was the best experience of my life. I was actually there in 98 and 99, and both those years we went to the national championship game. We lost to Tennessee, Peerless Price and those guys. Uh, 
got us out in the Fiesta Bowl. But the next year, Peter Warwick came back, and we were undefeated, and we won uh, the um, national championship game in the Sugar Bowl against Michael Vick in Virginia Tech. But that experience was most unbelievable for me, working for Coach Bobby Bowden, as far as I'm concerned, the best football coach ever in college football. I learned a lot, not only about coaching, but how to handle uh, top-notch athletes, uh, how to interact with, uh, you know, recruiting and how to recruit them and how to handle them and how to talk to them and, and, and stuff like that. It was a valuable process for me. And uh, I look back and one of the most rewarding experiences of my life. Hey, Coach, you know, after – so, you know, you spend the two years at FSU, uh, you leave after the title run and you go to NC State with uh, Coach Chuck Amato and taking his first head coaching job. Talk about that experience. Talk about – being there was, you know, it was a really hungry group trying to, you know, build a program and trying to put a program on the map. And, you know, Chuck did some pretty uh, unorthodox things to help that help move that thing along. Well, he, you're right. He did. And um, I was excited to have the opportunity to go to Raleigh. And uh, at the time, uh, they had beaten us uh, two years ago in 98, actually. One of the only teams that beat us, they had uh, a wide receiver there, um, Holt was the unbelievable wide receiver. His brother Terrence played for me at NC State, but um, he was a great receiver, Torrey Holt. Uh, but when we got there, uh, Chuck wanted to turn that thing around. And he said, one of my priorities is going to be Florida recruiting, and I want you to go down there and do that for me. So that's what I did. I headed down to Florida, and I was in the Tampa area for a long time, and and uh, I really enjoyed it. And I brought a ton of kids uh, from Florida up to NC State that played for us. And, you know – Everybody talks about the 305, and, and the 305 to me is South Florida. But I, I put in there Immokalee. I put in there the Lake, Pahokee, Belglade. I put in there Fort Myers. And when you, when you put those teams and, those, excuse me, those towns in that area, you got a wealth of recruiting there. And, and that's where I spent a lot of my time and end up in the Tampa area as well. Well, Coach, you know, you always have like a little favoritism or bias towards Florida, sounds like. But what, you know, why do you like the players down here so much? Here's what I think is the big difference. And I'm from New Jersey originally, like you are. I'm from a town called Keyport, which is in central Jersey. But here's the big difference. Those coaches down there coach those players extremely hard. And the demands that they put on those players are very high. So when you recruit a player from that area and they come to your school and they're going through some tough times or one of the coaches is chewing them out for something they're doing, they don't crawl into a bubble and like cry and say, what, what's the problem? They're saying, man, my high school coach is just as tough as you were, you know, so I'll be able to take this no matter what. And I just loved watching them compete. I would go from practice to practice to practice. I would, I would go back to, I would go back to the hotel at night and take notes and, and, and couldn't wait to the next day to go back in the road because I loved to watch those kids compete. And all those coaches down there were, it didn't matter what school you went to. They were coaching those kids extremely hard. So when those kids, you recruited a kid, you know, he loved football. And I think that was the big difference. So you go to NC State, you go head-to-head -head with Ohio State for Richard Washington out of Fort Myers. Tell us a little about that, about that recruitment. Well, one thing about me, Fish, if you know me, I shied away from no great player. It didn't matter to me what school I was at, what I could get them, whether I couldn't get them. I wanted to know who the great players were. You know, it didn't matter where I was, I was going to recruit them. And I have a thousand of recruiting stories. But one of them, yes, is Richard Washington. Um, I'll say this. When I zeroed in on a kid and I wanted that kid, it was going to be hard for that kid to tell me no. 
<laughs> and Richard, Richard was one of them. Richard was one of them. He had committed to Ohio State, and I was able to get him to change his mind to come to NC State, and he was special. But Fort Myers is special. I had recruited a kid, Terrence Chapman, out of there. He had to go to junior college route to L.A. Valley. He was another Fort Myers kid. And that's why I put those Fort Myers kids in that 305, Immokalee, Bell Glade, uh, Pahokee. You know, like I re- when I was at Florida State, we had Anquan Bolden. But I also recruited Janoris Jenkins and Antonio Duke Smith. I recruited all of them. And I didn't get a lot of them, but I developed a lot of great relationships with them. Coach, when you were at NC State, you were there with Phillip Rivers, uh, you know, going to end up in the NFL, going to end up in the Pro Football Hall of Fame. Uh, it was it was really, you know, the, kind of the golden era of NC State football. So what was it like? You know, you, you won 11 games. I think you played against Notre Dame in a bowl game. You were competing at the top of the conference, you know, big games week in and week out. How was that run there? Well, I'll tell you what, originally – you know, Philip Rivers is from Alabama, and he played He played high school football, I believe, with Jericho Cotri, who was another guy who came to NC State, had a great career in the NFL as well. But Philip, a lot of people, Auburn, Alabama, they want him as a tight end. And we recruited him at NC State. I believe the, the main recruiter at that time was a guy by the name of Joe Pate. And Joe recruited him to NC State when we were there and got him there to play quarterback, and he just lit it up. But Philip is a very competitive guy. He'll hate, he hates to lose cards. It doesn't matter what you're doing with him, and so am I. And I remember in practice, we used to run goal line drills in Florida State. You know, you had to run it in. Well, Phillip's throwing it in. I say, hey, Phillip, why don't you run the ball in? And we're going back and forth, competitive against each other. I was a DB coach at the time. But there was a lot of competitive things. And Phillip was a great guy. You know, he had card games in his hotel room. And all the players were in there playing cards with him. And it was just a great environment. And it was a great opportunity to be around him for those four years I was there. Well, Coach, you, you leave for Rutgers in 2004. First, why did you do that? And, uh, you know, leaving NC State to go to a program that hadn't won so much in, in Rutgers. You know, I know you're from Jersey, just like me, but, you know, what, what, was the, what was your thought process in that? Well, I'll tell you what, it was a very tough decision for me because I truly believe in the South and I believe in Southern football, SEC and ACC. I'm a big believer in that. And when I did go back up there, it was because I was from there. I had a pre-existing relationship with the head coach, Shiano, at the time. I had family from up here. So I decided to come back to Rutgers and I knew it was going to be tough and it was tough, but we made a commitment to recruit Florida and back down to Florida. I went to try to scoop up players and, and bring them up here. And one of those guys was, was the Antone, the two Smith that I told you about, who was probably really good friends with your brother, Myron at the mm-hmm. time at Florida state. Now here's the funny story. I'm at Rutgers university. I'm down there recruiting all these players for, for Florida, bringing them back up to Rutgers and, one day I'm sitting and the secretary goes, coach, you got a phone call at your desk. I said, oh, okay, that's weird. Uh, nobody really calls me at my desk. I pick up the phone. Who is it? It's Antone Smith and, my, and, and Myron Roll on the phone talking to me. Coach, we just <laughs> want to say, man, well, we miss you. And, and congratulations. You're doing so good at Rutgers. We both were so close to going to Rutgers, but we're glad you're doing good. And, you know, all that kind of stuff. It was great to hear from those guys. And like I say, I develop relationships with players when I recruit them. It doesn't matter to me if I get them or not. If I do, great. If I don't, it's okay. But I never cherish the memories of all the players I recruited or coached, especially down in the Florida area that I, that I love so, so much. But I do hold my roots deep in New Jersey, where I'm from as well. Uh, uh, Coach, I'm, I'm going to hop in here real quick, Fish. I'm going to add a little additional thing on that. Coach, I, just personally, I got to ask, you know, I'm going off the cuff a little bit. Your energy is amazing. You're a great recruiter. 
you're a great technician. I've seen you work. Obviously, you've developed a lot of talent. You're needed in a college football game or in a professional level. Why, why aren't you coaching on that level right now? Do you have aspirations to coach on the collegiate level or the professional level? Well, I appreciate that very much, McKinley. And, and, and you know, um, I have a son up here in New Jersey. He's 11 years old, okay? And I coach his youth team. And it's probably one of the most rewarding things I've ever done in my career. I expect all these different places I've been in, the kids that I've recruited and coached and et cetera. And I made a lot of kids a lot, a lot of money, you know? But, but I cherish the moment of coaching my son's youth team, kind of like Dion did with his son and all that kind of stuff, you know? And, you know, for two years, we were undefeated. And the kids on the team are going, we want to go to Florida. We want to go to Florida. I said, whoa, 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 whoa. You better be careful what you wish for. You don't want to go down to Florida now. You don't want to go down there and play the optimist down in the 305. You better slow your roll down a little bit. But I finally got a team now of 11 new kids up here in Jersey that are talented as can be, running backs, receivers, quarterbacks, defensive players, that I'm not afraid to bring down there. So I, I think, McKinley, that's one of the reasons – why I haven't been back there amongst a few other things, but I do miss it. I do miss developing young men, but I'm developing these young kids and I do miss the relationships with recruiting. See, people hate recruiting. I love recruiting. I absolutely love it. And a guy like Fish, who I got to meet years after I knew Henley, uh, was a guy who picked up where he left off and he was very knowledgeable about, hey, you should go look at this guy. Hey, look at this guy. Hey, this guy. And he let me do all my evaluating but he turned me on to a lot of great players. Mm-hmm. Thanks. Oh, well, coach, I appreciate that, but uh, we're going to get, you know, get back on the trail. McKinley got off the trail a little bit, but <laughs> I always appreciate it. You know, that was great. I, you know, I'm sure there'll be a couple more uh, places where we jump in, but um, you know, going back to Rutgers, uh, you were there at a program, you know, um, you ended up recruiting a kid, uh, DC Jefferson, uh, he was like probably the one of the biggest wins you had. You recruited against LSU. How did you um, how did you pull that off? Well, quite honestly, <laughs> it was just developing relationship with DC, developing relationship with his mom. And when I left that house, I never forget. She said to me, "You're real. You're real." She goes, "I've been hearing a lot of smoke being blown, but you're real." And I, I really took pride in that when I recruited kids. Another kid I recruited from down there at the time was Timmy Brown at the Miami Northwestern. And at the time, I truly believe I had one of the best running backs in the state, if not the country at the time, Antoine Easterling. I had him, too. And obviously, he had his situations that he had to deal with. But I had him coming to Rutgers, and they might have forgot about Ray Rice if Antoine Easterling ever made it to Rutgers. Okay, but I I developed a lot of relationships with kids down there and recruiting became easy for me, Fish. It became easy because I was real with the kids. I dealt real with them. And whether I got them or not, it didn't matter. But I wanted to recruit the best. I wanted the best kid to tell me no. One time I was at Miami Central and I was out in Hawaii and I I stopped over to see Roland Smith at Miami Central and he had year 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 being cook at the running backs. And I said, I'm out there in the middle of the field talking to um, Roland, and, and Cook runs by me. He said, yo, Dima, I'm going to go to Hawaii. I go, yeah, you and every other kid in the state want to come visit Hawaii. But I took my visit card and stuffed it in a sock. And that's how, my, that's how I got a relationship with, with uh, Delvin Cook. But all these different things, I look back on and boy, they were unbelievable experiences. But I wanted to be around the best. All the kids from Killian and Booker T and Northwestern and Central. It didn't matter. I was going to Edison. I was going to go find him and, and, and develop a relationship with him whether I got him or not. 
Hey, hey, coach. I, I mentioned two thousand and six. Uh, it was at a back when back when back when Rutgers was doing satellite camps. Back when you guys basically changed the entire landscape of college football recruiting. Uh, y'all did one at a Middleton High School where we met. Yes. And that two thousand six season was special. Um, you end up getting the Louisville team that was top ten undefeated in your house. You beat them on national TV. You're a triple overtime game against West Virginia away from winning the Big East and going to one of the Power Bowls. You won 11 games, you know, the best season in Rutgers in, you know, long-time memory. How, how exciting was that time, was being there, being in that environment at that moment for you? Well, it was really unbelievable because I'll tell you a quick story. We beat Michigan State my first year there. And the next week we lost to New Hampshire. So that's how great it was. But, but, but just like they beat Michigan State this year, I don't know who they play next week, but they better watch out because that's what's going to happen. But we developed a good program. We changed the culture. I brought a lot of things to that program from Florida State and NC State, a ton. I, they, they owe everything to Florida State and NC State, how they turned that program around up there. I recruited Florida for them. I, I coached the McCourty Twins. But that Louisville game, I'll have to say – even at uh, national championship games, I was in the Florida State, all the great games at NC State, beat Notre Dame, like you said, et cetera. That Louisville game that we played Thursday night on ESPN, looking around the sideline, the place was packed. The, the Empire State Building was, was doned in red. Uh, there were celebrities all over the place. Uh, it was one of the best games I've ever been involved with, and the outcome was unbelievable. But we just grinded that thing out. And luckily, our guy jumped off sides and gave us a second shot at the field goal. It ended up winning the game. But it was great. It was really a great opportunity. We had a lot of great players, believe it or not, because great players help you become a great coach. Uh, but those players bought in, and we had a great season. Well, after Rutgers, Coach, you ended up at Hawaii. What was it like coaching with uh, Coach Norm Trout? Well, that was, I've known Norm since I was at NC State. A lot of people don't realize Norm Chow left BYU and his first place he ever landed after BYU was NC State the first year I was there. That staff that we had, Doc Holliday, uh, Signetti, uh, Chow, I can go on and on and on with the people, the Buddy Greens of the world, Joe Pates, all these guys we had on that staff. It was a great staff to be a part of. And I got to develop a relationship with Norm. And how did I do that? Believe it or not, we all stayed in the hotel. And Norm was my roommate in the hotel. He was my the next room, uh, uh, hotel room over was him. And every Sunday night, the Sopranos came on. And he said, hey, and it was hot at the time. Norm said, hey, can you come over here and watch the Sopranos with me and tell me what's going on? <laughs> I said, yeah, no problem. He's like, is this really real? I said, Norm, it's as real as can be. No way. So I developed a relationship with Norm. And then when he got the Hawaii job, he called me and I said, sure. I went out there to recruit and I'll tell you another story. So I'm recruiting Florida. I get the Osmi St. Josh, St. Lucius. I get, um, I get uh, Morel, Morel Jackson from Carroll city. I get Naquan Phillips from Southridge. Fish helped me with those guys. And then I'm recruiting Darian Josie. Okay. From Boynton beach high school. Lo and behold, his quarterback is Deshaun is that is, um, is, uh, Jackson is, uh, Lamar Jackson's quarterback. Right. So I bring Norm to Florida and we're driving all over Florida. And he's like, this is unbelievable. Like he never really, I, he never really been around Florida with people that know recruiting. He's like, this is unbelievable. This place is, uh, it reminds me of Southern California. I said, Norm, this is way better than Southern California. Buddy. <laughs> this is way better. So we stopped. At St. We stopped at Boynton Beach High School, and he heard it. He heard Lamar Jackson, but he wasn't too sure. I said, "We're recruiting his best receiver, Darian Josie, who we ended up getting out to Hawaii." And in walks Lamar, and he's like, 
who's that? I go, that's Lamar Jackson. So Norm just starts talking to him. They start developing relations. The head coach says, geez, you might have a shout out Lamar. Nebraska was there, Florida State was there. He, he doesn't really know what he's doing. You guys might have a shot at him. Norm goes, you really think we got a shot at this guy? I go, who knows? Talk to him. So him and Norm had a conversation. But it was funny, you know, long story short, it's up Louisville and the, and the rest is history, Lamar Jackson. But we ended up getting out to Hawaii, his best uh, receiver at the time, Darian Josie. But, but, and I brought him down to Miami Beach. I brought Norm all over the place. He's like, this is unbelievable. I said, this is the 305, baby. Even though we were up in Palm Beach, and I don't hate on Palm Beach and Lauderdale because they got players and I got a lot yeah, of players. Yeah, you can't do that. From the, can't do that. No, 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 no. <laughs> but I say, Diosimi St. Just, he's one of the running backs that came out to Hawaii that still holds records out in Hawaii. But I Norm say, you think the Florida kids will come here? I go, absolutely. So I get all these Florida kids, I get them out to Hawaii, and they, they land after like, you know, I don't know, a 12-hour flight. I go, guys, when you get off the plane, I swear you're going to think you're in Miami Beach. Okay, coach. So they get off the plane, we pick them up, and we bring them through downtown Waikiki all over the place. And all of a sudden, I see the look on their faces, and they go, coach, can we talk to you? I go, yeah. They said, you, you lied to us. I said, what do you mean? You, you said this was minus of Miami Beach. I, I said, yeah. They go, no, you lied. This is better. I said, yeah, I'm going to get me some of these boys now. <laughs> and I did. I got them. I got them. They came out there and they had good careers, those kids, man. They changed the culture out there, the Rainbow Warriors. Yeah, you, you killed my next question because you already went through there. But I'll, I'll kind of like jump in. Not only did you recruit, I was going to ask you, like, what was your sales pitch to these guys? But you did land – not only the guys, uh, you know, from Florida to Hawaii, a bunch of those kids, but you did land a kid from New Jersey who's still in the NFL. What, who did you land again from New Jersey? Okay. His name was Keith Kirkwood. He was from Neptune, New Jersey. I knew his high school football coach well, uh, Mark Ciccatelli. And he said to me, hey, I got a 6'4 wide out. I got no film on him. He goes, I got like a 7-on-7 seven seven film. He always played basketball, but he's going to play football senior year. Would you take a look at him? They go, send me his film. So I look at the film. I said, oh, my God, this kid can play. So I go show Norm, and me and Norm are watching the film, and he goes, holy crap. He goes, that kid reminds me of Dwayne Jarrett. I go, he is Dwayne Jarrett. He looks just like him. I said, he goes, can you get him? Yeah, go get him. So I went to get him, and out to Hawaii he came, and he's in the NFL. But he started mm -hmm. his freshman year. He was, he was, listen, I called his high school coach. I said, listen, we play SC. He's going one-on-one -on -one with a Dory Jackson, 70-yard touchdown. Bingo, Keith Kirkwood in the end zone. And they're like, oh, my God. I said, I told you, that kid's the real deal. And next thing you know, he's making a lot of money in the NFL. So that was great. That was a great story out there in Hawaii. Hawaii was a great place. Only problem with Hawaii was it was truly far away for a lot of those kids. I got a little homesick out there. I ain't going to lie. People, what are you, crazy? It's beautiful. Yeah, I know, but – we're out there in the middle of Pacific Ocean, man. There ain't nothing around. We got all these East Coast kids out there, and they're loving it. But they're like, Coach, can we can we just go somewhere? I go, drive around in a circle, man. That's about all I do. <laughs> so, But they love the away trips because we got off the island. We got off the rock. But it, Hawaii's a great place. But, Coach, I mean – it's clear that not only did you, you know, do you, do you love recruiting? You know, I can still hear it in your voice, hear it in your stories. What What is it about the process that, that, that you love so much? I mean, really, what is it that, I mean, we know, you know, you're, I think you're a great recruiter. And I mean, really, what is it about it that makes you love the process so much? Well, I think I go back to my own 
recruiting process and how I wanted to get recruited as a young man. And, you know, I thought I was the best thing since sliced bread and I didn't get a scholarship offer. I ended up going to a one double A school. They did offer me a full, I took it, but, but I, I, I got blown a lot of smoke, Corey. I think coaches tell you this, that, and the other thing, bow, 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 bow. And I was like, no. And then a couple dudes told me the truth. And I really appreciated that. And so when I went out recruiting, I said, I'm going to be the guy that the guys that I wanted to recruit me, I want to be straightforward. I want them to tell the truth. I want to be in their homes. I want to tell them the truth. And when I zeroed in on a kid, Corey, I don't care if he was working at Taco Bell. He was working at McDonald's. He was working at Dick's Sporting Goods. He was working at Sports Authority. Wherever that kid was, and I legally could do it, I was there. I didn't go hang out with the other coaches and recruit with five guys. I went by myself. Every time I went recruiting, I went by myself, and I identified kids. And whatever I could do legally, if I had to be at the school during the day and double back and then go at the house at night and meet the family, whatever I had to do, I just loved it because I love developing relationships with young kids. You know what? I'm going to follow up on that question, Coach. You know, one of the kids you recruited was a row kid out of uh, Coco. Yes, what, sir. David Rowe. What did you – like, you wanted to land them so bad that you were telling me once, like, what were you, like, the first person at that school every Monday – before anybody, yes. like, tell us a little bit about that story. Well, it's another boy that turned out to be a great football player for Rutgers, a great individual. I believe he's coaching now somewhere. His mother, uh, Mrs. Rose, still texts me and, and, and keeps up with me and lets me know. But I got to meet him. I got to meet his family. I developed a relationship with them. And then just like a lot of times, Fish, when I identified a kid, nobody offered him. Next thing you know, I offered him. He had 15 scholarships. It was unbelievable. Uh, like this, the Osme St. Just, the kid from St. Lucius. Nobody really recruited him. I offered him from Hawaii. Next thing you know, all these guys, well, we'll flip him from Hawaii. Uh-uh, no, you ain't. I already identified him. You ain't flipping that kid. Just like when I recruited a kid out of Christopher Columbus High School, Antonio Lowry, I recruited him to Rutgers. They're like, oh, he ain't going to Rutgers. We'll flip this kid from Christopher Columbus. And Merritt was the coach at the time. He goes, you ain't flipping this kid. This kid's going to Rutgers. So like I said, when I identified a kid, and I knew that kid, and I developed a relationship with that kid. And, and I knew he was a good fit for wherever I was. I went after him extremely hard. But if I knew he wasn't a good fit, Fish, I wasn't afraid to tell the kid, listen, man, I love you, but I really don't think it's going to work out here for you. Um, and the kid was like, Coach, you're right. And I think they appreciated that. Now, there's a couple kids, don't lie, I truly wanted, and I didn't get them, but that was because they said, Coach, if you were coaching a Florida, Florida State of Miami at the time, we would be going with you, but we just ain't going to go up to New Jersey. I said, I don't worry about it. And one of those guys was Anton Smith. Coach, uh, last question for me. Um, and, and this is kind of a little off the cuff as well. Um, how do you go about evaluating a prospect? Tell us our, our listeners about that process. Um, you know, as far as what you do and what you've done at your stops. Well, what I've done over the years, and I believe a lot of guys do the same thing because they have to, they get fired. You go down and you start recruiting when May, you start recruiting a junior and senior. But while you're recruiting a junior and senior, you know who the freshman and sophomore are because the head coach is telling you that kid right there and that kid right there in two years, they're going to be heavily recruited. Then you start watching them in practice and you're like, yeah, he's right. And then I start talking to those kids. And whether you're Ken or cannot, everybody does the same thing. Please stop. Stop with all the rules, okay? <laughs> you, start, you start talking to the kids and you start developing relationships. And then when that kid becomes a junior or senior, I already know who they are. You know what I'm saying? I already know them because I watched them through the, through the system. And then what was really cool is a lot of times, which doesn't go on anymore in society, but it still does in Florida, there's bikes. There's 
9, 10, 11, 12-year-old kids on bikes, riding all over, going to empty parks, watching Booker T practice over down in Overtown. Okay, and I start talking to those young kids. Next thing you know, they're they're the guy everybody's recruiting when he's a, when he's a soft when he's a, a junior, and they're like, "I remember you, coach. You was talking to me on my bike when I was when I was 12. I said, "Yep, that's me," and that's how it happens, you know. And the great ones do it like that. The other ones can roll in with the with the shirt with the thing on their shirt, and say, "Hey, I'm from such and such. Yeah, I like you." But developing relationships with kids, that's the way I believe gets you where. Because I never there's times when I was at schools that weren't that. Vogue weren't that cool, but the kids wanted to come anyway because I developed a relationship. And a lot of times, McKinley, I might not have been their position coach either. And the position coach to me is very critical because that's the guy that's going to develop you. Even though they like me because I was the recruiting coach, I say, man, when I bring you up here, you got to forget me. You got to go spend time with your position coach because that's the dude that's going to develop you. That's the dude that you have to build a relationship with. So when they would come up on their visit, I'd send them over there and say, that's the guy you got to get to know. And I think the kids appreciated that as well. All I got to say is, I know you're out of college football right now, but I know you're going to be out of college football for forever. And listen, all yes. these Florida programs out there, Love vouch for them. You need a guy, yep. you got to boost your roster. Chris Damaris is the guy, and he's only a phone call away. Absolutely. Right? So, Absolutely. Jim Scott at USF, Butch at FIU, you know, I'm not, not Willie over at FAU, I'm, not, I'm just saying, you know, he's out there for y'all, you know. Yeah, so I'll yeah. get them. Fish knows I'll get them. It don't matter where I am, no matter what I do. Once they're identified and I know they're qualifiers and I know they're a good fit for my program and I start developing a relationship, I'm getting them. That's yeah. it. I mean, the, the last thing I'm going to throw in, and the reason I think you're such a great recruiter is you're one of these coaches that's not afraid to go. Oh, if I tell you, hey, these are the five kids to go after and you go over for five, you're okay because you know the next year you're going to go five for five. You're not afraid – to get beat on a kid. And a lot of guys are afraid as coaches. Right. I believe that they'd rather have a kid say yes, that they know is going to say yes. than someone like you that is like, you know what? I'm going to go for the whale. I don't care about the guppy in the pod. I want the one that everybody else wants. And I think that's what makes you such a great recruiter. And I've always respected that about you is that you're not afraid to get turned down by kids because you know, eventually the numbers are going to fall your way. It's a numbers game. Eventually the ones are going to say yes. Well, I appreciate that, Fish. And I wanted kids to come to my program wherever it was going to make an impact. They were going to say, yo, I'm glad we got that kid. Boy, I'm glad we got that kid. I don't want them to say, what's that kid doing here? Just because I had to fill a void? <laughs> I don't want that dude. Every guy that I recruited, I want them to be the dude. Every kid I coached, I wanted them to be the dude. I wanted them to go make money. I wanted them to go have a career. I wanted them to go do things. I wanted them to be happy, you know? But they were going to work their tails off. But you're right, Fish. I was, I'm going after the best. And they shoot me down, they shoot me down. But if they don't, Eventually, it's going to come my way. You're exactly right. Uh, that's good stuff, Coach. But Coach, you have any? Um, you are you on Twitter or Instagram or anything? You have any social media handles? Uh, you know, I think I do. You know, McKinley. <laughs> I don't know. You know what I'm saying <laughs> my best thing is when I get a kid one on one and I call a kid or talk. That's how I roll. I, I don't uh, do this well, internet, well, internet, uh, email. Uh, I don't even know what my stuff is, but people put them up there for me. But I don't even know what they are. I think I just figured out Facebook, and that thing fades out. <laughs> Well, yeah. well, we just we have our listeners that you know they want to follow you, whatever the case may be, yeah. um, and track you. But you know, if, if that, is that the case, they can just follow us, and we'll we'll put them on yeah, to we'll you. But um, yeah, we're gonna have to get you a Twitter page, man. You're gonna have to. Absolutely, yeah, I gotta get yeah. a Twitter page. We gotta get you in the my, game, coach. My son and all his kids got Twitter. I don't even know what it, they got. TikTok and Twitter and this and that. I'm like, <laughs> what is all this stuff, man? <laughs> you know? 
I got you. But, but, listen, but, I'm from Jersey. Let me say this real quick, McKinley. I'm from Jersey, and I love Jersey. There's no doubt about it. I'm born and raised here. But mm-hmm. my, like, like Jimmy Johnson said, my second home is South Florida, and I love it. I love recruiting there. I love the people there. I love the commitment there. I love everything about South Florida because why? It's been good to me in my career, and I want to be good to it. That's awesome, Coach. Well, thank you for coming on. Um, if you want to follow us, you can follow us on Spotify, SoundCloud, YouTube, and also Apple Podcasts. Also follow us on Twitter. You hear more about from Coach Damaris as well as there are other interviews. Coach, thanks so much. We appreciate you. And it's a matter of time until you're, uh, you're coaching on the sidelines again on Saturdays or Sundays. Well, thank you, guys. I appreciate it. I enjoyed every minute of it, and I enjoy watching your podcast, guys. You're very informative and very knowledgeable. Thanks, Thanks, Coach, man. You got it, guys. Thank you.